Amen. Good morning. If you'll grab your inserts today, we're going to get a message here. I believe it's going to be a good one today to get your year kicked off in a good way. You know, we're at that interesting point of the year because we're closing the door on 219 and we're stepping in to 220. So we're excited to step in. It's the natural time of the year that we just kind of look back, we reflect a little bit, and some people are like, man, I had a great year and 2020 is going to be a great year. And then some people's like, good riddance of 219. I'm ready. Aren't you glad you can press the reset button? Amen. And you can start over. So it's kind of a time of new beginnings. Press the reset button. Kind of get a do-over, you might say. A mullet, you might say. But uh, I want us today and next week begin to think about, and, I'm, and you're going to understand more as I continue to preach in this word, think about what we want out of 2020. 2020, you might want to write this down, 2020, I believe, is going to be the best year if it's your best year spiritually. 2020 will be your best year if it'll be your best year spiritually. You know, I think a lot of people know how to win in this world. And we know how to prepare to win. We've learned some of the secrets of, of how to plug in our giftings and how to arrange and how we stay motivated and, and how we can do things to where we know how to win in this world. But when it talks about winning in God's kingdom, it's a different parallel. The way that we win here in this earth and the way that God shows us to win is much different. So I'm going to be talking about today how to be a winner in God's kingdom. How do we be a winner in God's kingdom? And the first thing, you might want to write this down, the first thing of being a winner in God's kingdom is to be privately healthy. Look at your neighbor and say, I need to be privately healthy. We need to be privately healthy. Privately healthy in our personally walk with the Lord. You know, most people put their energy and time into being publicly successful. But in God's kingdom... Being publicly successful or publicly fruitful, it starts with being privately healthy. You know, John even teaches that in John 15. He said, if you abide in me and you abide in my word, and I, if you abide in me and I abide in you, if you stay in my word and I stay in you, if you stay hooked up to me and I stay hooked up with you, and we keep that connection, God says that whatsoever things we desire when we ask him, we shall have them. We can win in this current, current world, but it starts with being privately healthy first. And then I believe when you're privately healthy, it translates into being pu pu publicly fruitful, to being publicly fruitful. Uh, so as we begin this next 21 days, um, I really, even you'll understand more when we get in the, in the sermon today, but I really don't want you to think too much about what you're expecting or what you're wanting in 2020 just yet because I want to show you today how in the next 21 days when we start our awakening next week we want to make two things which I don't want to say yet to be a part of that okay we'll just hit it there's two constants two constants that were needed to be publicly healthy and publicly publicly privately healthy and publicly fruitful there's two constants I want you to write this down alter and stewardship now we're there now we're there altar and stewardship altar and stewardships to me are the backbone of life and happiness altar and stewardships are critical in order to build a balance where you can grow and you can progress in your Christian life just like a body has two arms where we get the one-two punch 
And just like the legs, we need two legs as we begin to run. Or just like a plane that has a body and it needs two wings to fly, the same thing is with altar and stewardship. For effectiveness and growth and progress, we, need, we can't have one without the other. They need to be the same. So spiritual health is a person. In a, in spiritual health in your family, spiritual health in your business, spiritual health in this church, whatever it is, we need to have altar and stewardship. When we have altar and stewardship, everybody say altar and stewardship. When we have altar and stewardships, that's when we will begin to have that growth and over a long term, we're going to see that balance. So let's define those two constants. You might be, what in the world's altar? Altar is defined as this. You can write this down in your insert. It'll be on the board. Altar is defined is, as the place of communion, the place of consecration or setting yourself apart, making space, and it's a place of commission where you're, you're, you're given a commission or a mission. So in the altar, every servant of God has that communion, that consecration, and that commission. This is God's way to be privately healthy. And at the core of our theology, we believe that Christians should have a powerful time of altar where they're having a daily encounter with God. And what this does is this begins to be the source of our heartfelt fire, and it's the strength that we labor and persevere. The altar is the place where we hear and we receive from the Lord. And you're like, man, I can hear. You bet you we can hear. And we're going to get into that. The altar is the place that we hear and we receive from the Lord. That's where vision and passion are birthed. Some of you is like, man, I don't know what my vision is for 2020. I don't know what it is in my head. When we, when we put these two constants together, altar and stewardship, we begin to uh, know what our vision and passion are and how we can keep that. And then number two is stewardship. Stewardship is this. Stewardship is the disciplined lifestyle and focus of someone who has surrendered. Everybody say surrendered. Surrendered to the service of God. You know, some only equate stewardship with finances. Well, when you talk about stewardship, you're talking about finances. No. In New Testament, when you read the New Testament, when stewardship is talked about, it's when it's talked about a person, a Christian, who has said, man, I am totally surrendering to the, to the authority of God, and I'm totally surrendering my life to God, and that's when I say I'm going to be in service to him. And another scripture on that is, is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you would present your body as a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable unto him. So altar is where you're hearing and receiving. And then stewardship is defined as someone who surrendered to where we're now, now ready to serve and we're now ready to carry out and we're now ready to execute and we're now ready to do. You might even say that altar is the heart and the mind. It's where your, 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 your heart is being filled with things. Your mind is getting filled with concepts and ideas and vision and, and, and thoughts. So you might say it's like your heart and your brain. And then you could say that stewardship is more like your core muscles to where you begin to walk out and you begin to do and execute. You, we need both of these constants you know, I learned that powerful con uh, combination of altar and stewardship. I learned that powerful um, I learned that powerful combination when I first got born again. When I first asked Jesus to my heart, there's something where you just know, man, I need to pray. I need to pray. I need to seek God. 
I need to progress. I need to walk in victory. And, and God showed me that, man, it's by praying and spending time in his presence and hearing. And I knew that I should be there. But I was doing all that, but yet I still didn't seem like I was progressing, that I was growing and things were changing. In other words, you can sit and hear, you can sit and hear, you can sit and receive, but God has called us to do his word. Altar is a place where you hear God's voice, where you receive God's instruction, where you receive his marching orders. Stewardship is where we walk it out. Anybody ever heard putting your feet, putting feet on your prayers? Sometimes you got it, you pray about it. There's even times where in, the, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30, I remember David uh, was praying to the Lord. God even told David, hey, David, stop praying. Do what? Stop praying. Yeah, stop praying. Stop praying. Encourage yourself in the Lord and get up and go pursue your enemies. Sometimes it's, we, we, we need that altar. We need the, the two legs. We need altar, but we need stewardship. We need altar, but we need stewardship. It's a two and two. I even, did, even I learned this, first of all, as a new Christian. And then I began to grow and progress and, and have victory when I put those two together. But then also in, in, in leading church. You know, when we decided to come out here, you know, we prayed. Man, we're gonna, I was in Wyoming. We're going to plant a church in um, Chicago. Didn't even know what I-90 was. Didn't know anything about this area. And I remember God saying, hey, get a map out. And he told me to put my finger on I-90. And he said, build a church within a mile of I-90. I didn't even know what I-90 was. Um, but but for, for, for like six months, every day I was doing altar. And I was asking God what his vision was for this church. Clear out in Wyoming. I was asking God what his heart and how he wanted to approach this. And how he wanted to do it. And, and, and what he wanted to do. And guys, that process takes time. It takes time. I believe that God gives you two ears and one mouth for a reason when you're in prayer. When you're in altar. Prayer is a lot is just listening. When you read the word and the word gets in your heart, God speaks that way. There's different ways that he can speak. But I would begin to write down these things. In my head, I would get, begin to see and I began to understand how it could happen. But brothers and sisters, I had to get out of the prayer closet and take a step of faith and move 2,000 miles and come to Chicago. I had to put it all on the line, every bit of finance we had. I remember we left Wyoming with $16,000. That's all we had. We had no job, didn't know anybody, did, didn't know exactly what we were going to do. But we came, we put feet on our prayers. And then when we came here, we began to carry out what God told us in altar. And when you carry out what God tells you in altars, look around today, look around. It happened. God's vision spoke. And there's a church here that's been birthed. But it had to have altar and stewardship. Altar and stewardship. Altar and stewardship. You have to have them both. You're imbalanced without it. You can't progress the way you need. You can't grow like you need to without the combination. It's a powerful combination, Alex. It's a powerful co co combination. Even recently, um, one day I was praying, and the Lord came to me and spoke. Well, how do you know when he speaks to you? It's not like an audible voice or nothing. It's just like when you knew you need to get married. You just know that you know, and you're hearing something that you know is right. It feels right. It, it, it just, it makes sense. There's like a witness. I don't know how you hear. That's kind of how I do it. 
And, and, but, uh, but anyway, when I, the other day, the Lord came up to me and he said, Hey, Brian, you ever been to a restaurant? Have you ever been to a restaurant where there's a bunch of advertising and when you saw it and you saw the entertainment and everything that there was to do, you were like excited to get to that place. And I was like, yeah, I know what you mean. And then when you got to that place, you were like, man, they really under-delivered for what, they're, what they were promoting. How many's ever done that? And then he said, have you ever went to a place where there was no promotion? And you just kind of found it. You just kind of happened onto it. And you're like, man, how come nobody knows about this? What's going on here? And the Lord said that to me. And I said, yeah. And he said, church on the rock is the former. He said, church on the rock has something that I want to deliver. I want to use this church to impact this community. And here's what I, so I heard that first. And then days after that, in altar, you, you start with that seed, and then you start asking for more. What's that mean? And then you start sharing. You know what I start doing? I start going up to people and saying, say, just, I mean, if we had people slip up their hands and say, how many's heard that story? There'd probably be half the people in this church. You start saying what you believe God's saying. And then after you're saying it and you're speaking it, um, and, and, and people are hearing it, it begins to get flesh, and it begins to grow it, it begins to grow and mature inside of you what what you're looking for but but then here's what happens listen this is so amazing um can you put that on the that picture up on the board um i, I felt the lord say we need a sign we, we don't have any money to get that kind of a sign that sign is like 25 g's it's 46 inch letters you can see it from 47 the, the best way, people, people still don't even know this is even a church. They, they're like, what's out there in that cornfield? That sign right there, that sign right there is 25 G's. Guess what? When we hear something in the altar and then we begin to put feet on it, we speak God's vision and we believe God's vision and we tell God's vision, guess what happened? Somebody just walks up to me out of the blue and said, I feel like I'm supposed to donate a sign to the church for and, and I said, do you know how much this is? And he said, yeah, probably about 25 G's. I said, thank you. Then get this, you guys. Then we go down to the county and they say, well, you got to have this variance and this variance and you got to do this and this. Um, you you got to go to this meeting, this board meeting and blah, 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 blah. You can't have that signed till April. Okay. Um, we called a sign company to go make the sign. They called this week and said, pastor, you're not going to believe what happened. And I said, no, I probably will believe. <laughs> said, we went in there. The head person at King Island called him in the office and said, you don't need any variance. You don't even have to pay for anything. Start your sign as soon as you want. Yeah, you know why? If God be for you, who can be against you? Guys, you have to hear things in prayer, and then you have to put some steps, some stepping stones of how you're going to get there, what God's telling you to do. And then a steward is a person that manages that word. It manages that direction or that vision, and it begins to walk by faith on the things. You've got to have both pieces alter in stewardship. So some of you that, 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 that you're saying, well, what does God want? I, I want us to change something instead of what do I want in 2020? I want us to start saying, what does God want in 2020? What does God want in 2020 is what's, what's in my heart. Because when we get on the same page of God, whoo, baby, 
We're, you're going to see things happen like the sign thing in your personal life. What does God want in your marriage? What does God want in your business? That which is born in the head reaches the head. That which is born in the spirit reaches the spirit. Let our directions, let our future, let our plans be born in what? Everybody say altar. Come on, say it. Let all of our plans, all of our ambitions be born in what? And then we walk them out with what? It's a healthy combination. The pathway to reward is paved through receiving a charge at the altar. It's a charge. And fulfilling an assignment through our stewardships. The Lord answered, who then is faithful? Who's the wise manager? Who's the master put in charge of the servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? Hey, there's some planning. There's some steps. There's some processes there. It will be good for the servant whom the man, who the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly I tell you that God's going to put him in charge of a lot. A steward is someone that's been, char- that, that's been put in charge of managing a certain portion of resource and something God wants to do here on this earth. Notice it says who is the wise, it doesn't say who is the wise and faithful owner. It says who is the wise and faithful manager. Because everything we have and everything we do, everybody say it belongs to the Lord. And it comes from the Lord. And then as faithful stewards, we offer it up to the Lord. And when we do that, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, that is a shift changer in your life. At the altar, we receive his will. Through stewardship, we execute his will. We see this pattern of stewardship all through the New Testament church. Um, I'm not going to have you, we're not going to put the scriptures up, but if you want to write down Luke 3, 21 through 30, at Jesus' baptism, at Jesus' baptism, he prayed, heaven opened, in other words, he did altar, then heaven opened, the Holy Spirit came, God spoke, ministry was born, and then Jesus walked out the ministry that was told unto him, and God was glorified. So we see that step. We see that step. He prayed, heaven opened, Holy Spirit came, God spoke, ministry is born, steward the word, God was glorified. Then in the book of Acts chapter 2, we see this. They prayed, the house shook, the Holy Spirit came, God spoke, a ministry is born, stewardship was executed, they lived it, did it, obeyed it. 5,000 people were saved. God was glorified. Then we see it in Acts chapter 4. They prayed. The house shook. Holy Spirit filled. Word spoke. Ministry started. Stewardship executed. God glorified. So when you pray, when you pray, heaven's going to shake. Holy Spirit's going to come. God's going to speak. Ministry's going to be born. You're going to step out and execute, obey and do. And God's going to get some glory. Can somebody praise him in the house? That's what I'm talking about. These two elements of growth, the power of growth and change, lie in receiving at the altar. And the process of growth and change lies in executing the stewardship. I have met so many pastors. I've met pastors before, and I'm like, man, they know their word. Man, when they pray, it's like heaven opens. And I want to receive Jesus right there, and I've already received him. Man, they speak with authority and power and boldness. And man, it's it's amazing. They are powerful. 
And then I'll look at their churches and they're stuck. They're not growing. And they're stuck. It's because they're only, they have that time. And if I had to choose one or the other, I'd choose altar. I would choose altar. But you don't have to choose. You can do both. But, and then I, but, but, when, but when I see pe- pre- people that can hear from God, it's more than just hearing. God will even give you the steps. Sometimes I see a pond. You've seen the pictures of the pond where I think it's in, um, what's that? You Can't Come or something. <laughs> Gandalf, what's that show? Lord of the Rings. I think there's a part where he walks across some water and he's just walking on stuff you can't see. Stepping stones. There has, God gives the stepping stone. It's born in your heart. Then he gives you stepping stones and, 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 and do this, then this. And he gives you timing, and then it's just a matter of walking it out. It's just a matter of walking it out. Now, Jesus had altar and stewardship. Jesus had altar and stewardship. Um, and I want to read this scripture in, Math, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, look at this, very early in the morning, it was still dark, Jesus got up, left his house, and went to a solitary place where he did what? Everybody say altar. Altar. It's where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, that's all right. Let's go somewhere else. Think about that. Let's go somewhere else to a nearby village so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, and he preached in their synagogues, and he did the ministry. He drove out demons, he preached, he did all that. Here's what I see in that scripture. The combination of altar and stewardship in Jesus' life gave him, number one, authority. You can put that in your, in your uh, insert. It gave him authority. Authority. Altar and stewardship gave Jesus authority over the flesh and over the voices of this world. Are y'all with me? It gave him authority over the flesh and over the voices of this world. He got up early and prayed. He got his assignment. He got the mind for the day. He got what God wanted to give him. And the people were calling him to what they wanted him to do. But Jesus, people were calling him to what? But Jesus had a deep sense of direction and of clarity. And his altar said, I can't do what the people are telling me to do. God says... I'm to go somewhere else and preach. Jesus was able to say no to the voices of this world. Brothers and sisters, when you spend time in the altar, you will be able to say no to the voices of this world that are contrary to what Christ's voice is in your heart. People that, that don't do altar, if you're, if you're just trying to be successful, then you're not doing it God's way. If you don't put a lick of prayer and a lick of asking in to God then you're out there on your own trying to build your own life how's that going for you but when you ask God what does he want for 2020 what do you want to do in my business what do you want to do in my finances what do you want to do in my marriage what do you want to do and then you start I, you can't ask God that in him not he will speak to you if you get in a solitary place where it's quiet and you settle and you and you close all stuff out it's best to do it early in the morning God will speak to you. And then when somebody comes and tries to get you off, you're going to have the authority to say no. 
Hey, I, I, you, you need to make this business decision. You need to say this to your wife because I'm on my third marriage and I ought to know something. I wouldn't be asked, looking for somebody on their fourth or fifth marriage for counsel about marriage. I'd be looking to God's word about what he says about, about marriage. And, 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 and well, I, I think you ought to say this. Or I think you ought to do this. She did that. Or he did what? Come on. And they, man, people just feed what you want. Hey, hear what God wants to say. When you are in connection with him, you can separate all those voices. Jesus, every person, moms, moms, dads, businessmen, we all battle with voices of doubt. Professionals who really want to serve God, they battle with attacks of temptation continually. They're bombarded with the voices. Hey, write this quote down by Leonard Ravenhill. I love him. Leonard Ravenhill said the one I said a while ago, vision and passion are birthed and maintained only in prayer. He said that one, but he also said this one. People that are intimate with God are not easily influenced by others. I mean, I don't even need to say no, any more to that. The altar is the only antidote to overcoming the seductive, powerful voices of this world and of your flesh. Hey, your flesh will always tell you what you want it to do. My flesh always tells me a pizza is what I ought to eat. Every doggone time. And my flesh always tells me Carmen is wrong on this. Huh? Come on. My flesh always says, you know, you're right. I know I am. And then you get Job's comforters that will come and tell you you're right too. We need, when you, hey guys, when you pray, You'll be able to discern and separate. You'll have an authority like Jesus said and say, hey, you tell me to go here. God's saying, I'm going here. Come on. That's good. I like that. Amen, Jesus. The second thing is, too, is when you have an altar, you have assurance of mission. There's a spiritual confidence from being in God's presence. And it translates into power. And it translates into perseverance in our mission. Jesus not only had assurance, but he had confidence. Jesus said, they said, let's go somewhere else. Let's go over here. Jesus said, no, we're going to go somewhere else. He had an assurance of clarity. He knew where he was going. He knew who he was. He had an identity. He had clarity. He knew who he was. He knew where he was going. He had the this is why deep down inside. So there is an assurance of his mission. And then number three is there is an anointing. I'm using all these words that I'm hoping you don't know what they mean, like altar and stewardship. That way you'll listen and you'll be like, oh, I know what that Christian word means now. Here's another Christian word, anointing. Anointing is anointing to fulfill his stewardship. So there's three things that Jesus did. to be, He was privately healthy so he could be publicly fruitful. Jesus practiced altar and stewardship, and altar and stewardship did three things. It gave him authority, it gave him assurance of his mission, and three, anointing to fulfill his stewardship, or to do it. The scripture says it's not by might, say it with me, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Say that again, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Write down Zechariah 4.6. That's what that one is. The anointing does everything. 
from setting your heart on fire to rebuking the evil one to saying no and giving you power of the flesh and all the voices of this world. The anointing gives you the power to literally bring God's kingdom where you can say, say, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. And you can carry that out. The anointing does that. The Bible says this, that Jesus was anointed. In, in Luke 4, 18 through 19, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. If Jesus said it, you can say it. I want you right now to say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because He has chosen me. Say that. Let's say that personally. The Spirit of God is upon me. Say that. Upon me. Because He has chosen to bring good news to the poor. To bring good news to the poor. Poor, to be spiritually poor, you can have all the money in the world but be spiritually poor. Spiritually poor is when you're bound. It's when you're full of fear. It's when you're anxious and, and, and you can't function in, in life and, and you're oppressed and depressed and all this stuff. God has chosen us that we bring good news to the poor. And you might even be bringing that good news to yourself. And you can proclaim liberty how many of you need some liberty in your life that you're bound up? Some things are, are stuck. You can proclaim liberty to you, a captive, and recovering of the sight to the blind. Set free the oppressed and announce the time has come when the Lord will save me. How many of us need saving? Amen? The anointing does that. When you pray and when you do altar, you receive, you receive authority, you receive assurance of mission, and anointing to fulfill the stewardship. Hey, look at this, Acts 10, 38. You know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how Jesus ran about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Look at this, for God was with him. Again, that scripture is to Jesus. Personalize that. Hey, guys. The reason Jesus went up to heaven and sat upon the right hand of the Father, the Bible says that because Jesus was exalted, the Bible says this, because Jesus died, he died, he rose from the dead, he went up to heaven, and because he's exalted in heaven, the Bible says he's even at the right hand of the Father in heaven. It says this, it says now the Holy Spirit can be poured out. Brothers and sisters, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out. The Holy Spirit came on one person at one time. It came on a king or it came on a, a specific individual, a priest or a king or somebody important. But now the Holy Spirit can come upon everybody. Woo! Everybody. That's good news. So you can say, you know what? You know how God anointed Brian? Say it for yourself. You know how God anointed Brian from Sycamore with the Holy Spirit and with power? That Brian can go about doing good and, and healing all who oppress the devil because God's with Brian. God's with me. That's the anointing. The anointing, and you get that. You get that anointing. You don't get that anointing with head knowledge. You don't get that anointing with degrees that this world wants to give you. You get that anointing when you get on your knees before God and ask Him His will. His will, His way. What does He want? The anointing is not something you can manufacture as the worship team's here. 
It's not something you can manufacture. It's something that's received. It's received at time with Jesus at the altar. You know, Acts 4.13, this is my last scripture. Acts 4.13, it says, when they saw, think about this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John. Usually when God asks me to do something big, you know how much courage it takes when God tells you to have the land that you're sitting on and they say it's $3.3 million and you only have 60 people in your congregation? Do you know how hard it is to have courage when Simon Forms gave you all the forms for a basement, we built this church with volunteers. They gave us all the forms, tens of thousands of dollars. Do you know how, how much courage it takes to stand on top of the forms and you never laid concrete in your life and say, Lord, we need concrete in these, and it's $105,000? It's kind of hard to have courage to say, oh, thank you, Lord, for... But you do it anyway. Because you've received an altar that God wants to raise a church. And it's just when we did that as a church that an individual pulled up who we, had never, who we never knew and said, what are you doing out here? He said, we're building a church. Well, what are you doing? And they said, well, we just got this concrete and um, we need to put some, we put these forms up, we need to put some concrete in it. Here's a, here would have been a bad mistake. And here's a mistake I think people miss. Is he said, how much is the concrete? Think about that, Bri. How much is the concrete? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, maybe uh, 20000 maybe. That's the problem. Is people will hear something from us. What's God want you to do in your marriage? He wants your marriage to be amazing. And then you just walk out. Oh, my marriage is going to be amazing. Oh, my marriage is going to be oh blowing tiny bubbles no get back on your face and say how's it going to be amazing and he might do what he did to me one day one day I was at church praying one day I was at church praying and the Lord said hey Brian you're really doing some spiritual warfare for your marriage because our, our marriage was going through kind of a tough time uh, we really haven't had real tough times but Carmen and I we had a, four kids under four years old and I was like Lord I was rebuking devils and praying and all this and the Lord says, hey, Brian, you, you're really doing some good spiritual warfare. Why don't, I need you to go home for a second. I said, okay, Lord. And I went home. Some of you have heard this story, but I walked in the back door. Laundry was piled high. Sorry, Carmen, you're amazing. You have four kids under four. Um, laundry was piled. Dishes everywhere. And the Lord was like, kids screaming. And the Lord, and I was at the church praying to God oh I think oh thank you for you're gonna have an amazing marriage yes Lord yes Lord but then I went home and he said roll your sleeves up wash them dishes and do that laundry steps 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 what if when I said to that guy how much is the concrete I don't know that's what's wrong with some of you that's what's wrong that we got fix we got to hear it. That's why some people have visions and 10 years later, they're still talking about it. Nothing's happened. Steps come in the altar. He will give you step by step. Man, I could just, it's hard for me to stop this sermon. 
my knee to stop. The, but read in Exodus where God gave the blueprints for the temple. Do you think there was a blueprint for the ark, Noah's ark? There was a very detailed. You get the details, you get the blueprint and altar. You do your diligence, you do your research, you do your dying. You do your, you do, you do your, it's not her, it's you. That's what's wrong, it's always her. It's you. You hear that in the altar. And when God does it, it feels so good and it feels so right. Because when you step out and do it, he says, you start getting the results. When you manage or steward God's word from the altar, you get the result. Some of you, oh, I gotta, I gotta quit, I gotta quit. But some of us are not getting results because we're not doing God's plan because we haven't heard it in the altar. Anybody receive this word? Say amen, I receive it. I receive it. Right now, every head bowed, I want you to just pray and say, Lord, I, I don't think I've ever heard from you before, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust what that preacher's saying today. And these are the areas that I, there needs to be change, I think, Lord. Take a minute. Just think of areas you think need change. Is it health? Is it health? Is it spiritual health? Something with your children? Something in a relationship? Now then start saying, God, I'm going to do what I heard today. And I'm going to start asking you what you want. If you'll do that, if you'll do that, you can start getting some results. You can start progressing. Take a minute and just think about that. Lord, what do you want? And that's why we have those cards that Carmen said Brian's going to talk about through this fast that starts next week through our altar we're going to start writing downs you can grab those that 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 insert that thing you were given that's perforated when you came in those are going to be your bookmarks for your book awakening when you get that when you start hearing in the altar in fact you're going to have to buy a prayer book that's not going to be enough room to write anybody out there say amen that's not going to be enough room to write. You're going to start hearing, man, this is what God wants to do in my marriage. This is what God wants to do in my life. This is what God wants to do. Altar, altar. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, you're releasing hope. Thank you, Lord. As the prayer team comes forward this morning, if you're here today and you need prayer of agreement or you just need somebody to stand with you on something you're facing, that's why these guys are here. We always have a place at the end of our service where people can come and be prayed for. You can be prayed for about anything. These people are here to do that today. The Bible says whenever two or three agree, you know, just, just sometimes you're trying to pray in yourself, but when you come and say, hey, Kevin and Jan, will you agree with me? I'm praying about this from the Lord. The Bible says whenever two agree on the earth is asking the Father, it'll be given. Sometimes you need the power of agreement. So that's why they're here. Braden, I'm going to ask you to sing a song. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. If you need prayer for anything, you can come and be prayed for. 
Braden's going to sing a song, and then he'll dismiss you today. Word for prayer. If you need prayer, please come.